0: Hey everybody, Austin Buckland here. Thank you for tuning back in to the Faith Over Fear podcast. I recently heard about a, a golfer who had been playing really badly. And so he went to a psychiatrist who told him just to relax by playing around a golf without a ball. Do everything you'd normally do, but just use an imaginary ball. So the golfer, hesitant, tried it the next day. He stepped up on the first tee, and he imagined he got a 260-yard drive, made a fine approach shot to the green, and he putted for par. The round went splendidly, and as he approached the 18th hole, he met another golfer playing the same way, without a ball. Now, the other golfer had seen the same psychiatrist, and so they decided to play the last hole together, and they'd bet $10 on the outcome. Well, the first golfer swung at his imaginary ball, and he announced that it had gone 280 yards right down the middle of the fairway. The second golfer matched his drive. The first fellow then took out his five iron, and after swinging at his imaginary ball, he exclaimed, Man, would you just look at that shot? It went right over the pin, and the reverse spin on it brought it right back into the hole. I just won the game. Well, not exactly, said the second golfer. You hit my ball. Well, you know, we can do some crazy things in life to try to prove to ourselves or to others that we're adequate enough. We try a lot of different ways to build confidence up for ourselves. I heard about a lady who went to the minister, and she said, I have to confess a great sin in my life. What's that? He asked, and she said, well, it's the sin of pride sometimes I just stand before my mirror and I admire my beauty for hours and hours on end and the preacher looked at her and said lady your sin is not the sin of pride it's the sin of imagination well I can be confident in telling that story because I know all of you listening are beautiful people that story was not about you but for all of us we could use some more confidence in our lives can't we how do we become more confident Christians? One way not to do it is to look at our driver's license picture. Man, nobody likes the way we look on those things, do we? Famous actor Tom Selleck once said, Whenever I get full of myself, I just remember the nice elderly couple who approached me with a camera on a street in Hawaii one day. When I struck a pose for him, the man said, No, 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 we want you to take a picture of us. Well, today, if you have your Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn it to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Now, though we'll be looking at several parts of Scripture, that's where our core message is going to come from. You know, every time that we board an airplane, we get into a car, we ride a bus or travel by train, we have confidence that those various modes of transportation are going to safely bring us to our desired destination. At the same time, we place our trust in the pilot, in the driver, or the engineer, believing that they know what they're doing, where they're going, and that they have everything under control. So naturally, we do place our confidence in things and in people, but sometimes things break and sometimes people disappoint us. Things are not always for sure, and people aren't always trustworthy or dependable. We need someone who's always present. We need someone who's always dependable and on our side. Somebody who we can undoubtedly put our trust in. We need someone who is always willing to love us when we humbly submit ourselves to him. We need, and we have, a God who we can be faithfully confident in. Now, hopefully now you have your Bibles open to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. We'll start off in verse 1. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful. Now I want you to stop in a second and remember these words here in the center of this section. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 3. Everything we talk about is going to center back to this verse. Verse 3, But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Today we draw three essential messages from this passage about living the faithfully confident life. Number one, we need to have confidence in prayer. We need to have confidence in prayer. You know, I, I have a story to tell, and it's not really a story that I like to tell, but from time to time in Bible studies and in conversations, I'll ask people if there's anything I can be praying for them about. And I really love doing that. I love praying for people, and I truly believe that God makes a difference in their lives through those prayers. One time, though, Someone asked me what they could be praying for me about, and maybe because it kind of surprised me, I struggled to come up with a good answer to give. It's not that I wasn't aware I was in need of prayers, but just couldn't think of anything. And sometimes, do we fall into the trap of taking prayer too lightly? Do we sometimes take it for granted? Do we really believe it's going to change things? Maybe we're like the man who was on a diet, but he came into work with a big old box of hot, fresh donuts. Anyone listening like hot, fresh donuts? Oh man, I know I do. Well, a coworker asked his friend why he got donuts if he's trying to diet, and he said, "Well, I came around the corner where the donut shop was, and I told God, you know, God, if you just if you're wanting me to buy some donuts today." then let there be a parking spot in the front. And you know what? On the eighth time around, there it was. Or maybe we're like the little boy, five years old, riding in the back seat of the car with his mom on the way to get a Happy Meal. Now, his mother had made the habit of encouraging her children to pray when they saw an ambulance or an accident for the people who might be hurt. Well, they came upon a car accident and as they passed it, the mother, pointing over, reminded the boy that he should pray. And from the back seat, his mother heard his prayer. Please, God, don't let those cars block the entrance to McDonald's. <laughs> or maybe we're like the people who lived in a small town that historically had not allowed alcohol to be sold. Well, when a local businessman decided to build a tavern, a group of Christians from the local church were concerned and they planned an all-night prayer meeting to ask God to intervene. Well, it just so happened that shortly thereafter, lightning struck the bar, and the entire building burned to the ground. Well, the owner of the bar sued the church, claiming that the prayers of the congregation were responsible. But the church hired a lawyer to argue in court that they were not responsible. The judge, after his review of the case, stated that no matter how this case comes out, one thing is clear. The tavern owner believes in prayer and the Christians do not. Well, do we believe in prayer? Paul says to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. He says in Ephesians six nineteen, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for I know that, that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance that's Philippians 1 19. do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God Philippians 4 6 and 7 and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains, Colossians four three. Wow. Talk about power in prayer. Now, it'd be possible to look at this and say, you know, Paul seemed like a pretty confident guy. He knew what he believed in. He was solid in it. He had no problem standing up for it, but here he is. Pray for me. Pray for us. If we just go back and take a quick glimpse, even through 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, right before where we're reading, we can quickly identify this common theme of prayer here too. 1st Thessalonians 1 and 1 verse 2 says, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. 1st Thessalonians 3 verse 10 says, night and day we pray earnestly that we may see you again. And supply what's lacking in your faith. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17 says, To pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 25 says, Brothers and sisters, pray for us. 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 11 says, We constantly pray for you. Now though there are many subjects to pray for and pray about, Our text today gives us two things, considering God's word, that he asks them to pray about. In chapter 3, Paul writes, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us, that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. So the first concerns their ministry. The second concerns their personal safety. Let me ask you something. When you pray about the message of the Lord being spread, do you envision yourself doing it or somebody else? Do we pray for opportunities to arise to spread the word and for boldness? Do we pray for it for ourselves or for someone else? Since we're the church, the body of Christ, Are we searching out opportunities each day in conversation to tell somebody about the message of the Lord? Romans 10, verse 14 says, How can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? Well, hopefully, we always take it seriously to tell people about Jesus and invite them to come to church with us. Paul also writes, Pray for us that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. Paul is asking for prayers to be delivered or to be rescued. Paul and his companions had plenty of experience with this, and therefore wanted the Thessalonians to pray that God would rescue them in the future from such men. Acts chapter 17 records a mob being formed against Paul and Silas before the believers would eventually send Paul and Silas away that night. It was not long before the same Jews came to Berea and stirred up the crowds there, resulting in the church to send Paul to Athens for his safety. God would rescue him with an earthquake while he was in prison and rescue him from many other dangers, like being stoned to death. Now, Paul had seen God rescue him many times And he was confident in God, but he wants them to pray for him and his companions. Why? It's because Paul understood that it was wrong to presume upon God. So he wanted to make sure that God would continue to be petitioned on his behalf in the future. We need to keep that in mind as we pray. It's not one and done. Prayer is to keep us in close communication with God, Thanking him for what he's done for us and petitioning him to continue to grant those mercies and grace to us. Number two, we need to remember that God is faithful. We have to read the end of verse two again when we go into verse three. Though not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. But the Lord is faithful And he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Isn't that verse just amazing? The Lord is faithful. Man, why don't we have more fridge magnets and t-shirts with that one on it? What a powerful, powerful statement. To be faithful is having the quality of being trustworthy. Someone who is faithful is someone who is dependable, reliable, and can be counted on to keep their word. You know, faith is a part of everyday living. When we're sick, we go to a doctor whose name we can't pronounce. She gives us a prescription that we can't read, and we take it to a pharmacist that we've never seen. And he gives us medication that we don't understand, and yet we take it. Well, that's living by faith. We can trust that following God's commands and his directions for his life in the same way, will accomplish what is best in fulfilling his purpose for our lives. We know he causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. Now, because the Lord is faithful, Paul could assure the Thessalonians that he would strengthen them and protect them from evil. Psalms 27 verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, strengthen here doesn't mean that you're going to automatically receive big muscles. Sorry if that's what you were looking for. But this is even better. It's a spiritual strength. Strengthen here means to fix something so that's held fast, and it's unmovable. It refers to not being moved out of place by the evil that they would encounter in life. Psalm 28 verse 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and I'm helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song I will praise Him. In addition to strengthening you, It also says that he will protect you from the evil one. Protect arises from the word for watchman. And so it refers to the activities of protecting those under his watch from any danger that arises. For that reason, it's variously translated as to guard, observe, or watch, to keep, or protect. In this case, it's the Lord that's the watchman that protects his people from evil. Now, just like with strength, this doesn't necessarily mean that they would always be physically protected. Maybe we should be given some kind of warning label here. Have you ever noticed that when we buy products, we get warned to death? Manufacturers are weary of being sued when their products are misused, so they attach these warning labels to hundreds of items. For example, a a Batman outfit bears the words, Parents, please exercise caution. This is for play only. The mask and cape are not protective. The cape does not enable users to fly. Well, we can't always expect physical protection because Jesus blatantly spoke, In this world, you will have trouble. Now, Paul suffered many beatings and many followers have been martyred for their faith. We're never guaranteed or promised good health or fortune in this life. But spiritually, though, we are protected. Ephesians 1, verse 13 says, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Romans 8, verse 11 says, The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us and will give life to our bodies. Psalm 118 verse 6 says the lord is with me i will not be afraid what can mere mortals do to me we can have great confidence in knowing that because the because god is faithful he will strengthen us and he will protect us number 3 we need to have confidence in the lord we need to have confidence in the lord I heard a a story one time about a struggling businessman who was in debt and he just couldn't find out what he was going to do. He couldn't figure a way out of this. His creditors were pressing him. Suppliers were demanding for payment and he was sitting on a bench in the park with his head down, thinking about how he was going to save his company from bankruptcy. Well, suddenly an old man appeared in front of him. I can tell that something's bothering you, he said. And after listening to the businessman, the old man said, I think I can help you. So he asked the businessman what his name was, and he wrote him a check, and he said, Take this money. We'll meet here exactly in one year, and I believe you'll be able to return it to me at that time. And after that, he turned around and he disappeared just as suddenly as he had showed up. Well, the businessman looked down and he saw a check in his hands for the amount of $500,000 signed by Warren Buffett, one of the richest people in the world at the time. Man, he thought, I could end all of my problems in no time. But instead, the businessman put the check into his safe. Only one thought about its existence gave him strength to find a solution to save his business. With the return of his optimism, he closed many profitable deals, and within a couple months, he got out of debt, and he started to earn money again. And exactly one year later, he returned to the park with that same check. And at the agreed time, the old man appeared again. And at that moment, when the businessman wanted to return the check and share his story of success, a nurse ran up and grabbed the old man. Man, I'm so glad I caught him finally, she exclaimed. I hope he wasn't bothering you. He always runs away from the house and tells people that he's Warren Buffett. Well, for an entire year, the man put his confidence in something that didn't exist. During the whole year, the businessman was spinning and building a business, buying and selling, convinced that he had a half million dollars behind him, when in fact, there was nothing there at all. Well, you know, it can be all too easy to put our confidence in the wrong places. Our culture today teaches us self-confidence. The world wants us to put ourselves first. I'm number one. It's about me and it's about my own will and my power. Because of my own abilities, I can accomplish things. You know what? Because I'm just that good. Now, ironically, in a world that's trying to create more self-confident people, self-doubt has become a large issue for people today. I think social media plays a large role in those feelings. We get online and we scroll through and we see the awesome vacations, the perfect bodies, the great-looking lives. Now, I'll be the first to say that I love seeing people's trips and keeping up with friends through social media. But it becomes unhealthy when we start to compare ourselves to the things we see online. And it's going to lead to disappointment and self doubt. The reason is people only post the best of the best. They only post the highlight reels. We don't see the bad and the ugly, only the good. Kim Kardashian once stated that she needed to take about twelve hundred selfies per day in order to get the good ones that she could post online. Pinterest images display perfectly planned and executed birthday parties, but you know They don't show the three-year-olds crying because their turn up to bat didn't break the pinata, do they? Facebook posts show runners smiling as they cross the finish line of 5Ks and marathons. But they don't show them grimacing as they bandage their blistered feet. Instagram posts feature shots of happy parents holding swaddled newborns, not the agony of labor and delivery. Every photo has a backstory. Many of the pictures that we see online give dangerously unrealistic expectations of life. Now, this creates a problem for us because we think that we're doing something wrong. Well, if she's that happy all the time, then I should be too. My life should be that perfect. Well, the world wouldn't want you to hear this, but you're not going to find that kind of self-confidence in God's word. In fact, I would challenge you to try to find any Bible verses that will teach self-confidence in that sense. Now, you will find countless verses about confidence, but notice where the confidence is from. Verses teach that being confident and empowered are good things. They're great things to be, but there's a difference. All of that confidence comes through and from God and God alone. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, Paul writes, For it is we who put no confidence in the flesh. Paul says, you know, if, if you want to talk about confidence, I have all the reasons to be self-confident. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm of all the proper lineage. But you know what? He considers it all garbage. And then he can have righteousness not of his own, but by faith. In Jesus Christ. You see, confidence is good, but we're confident through Christ. Verse 4 of our text today says, We have confidence in the Lord that you're doing and will continue to do things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Not only did Paul request prayers from them, But his prayer for them is also here too. That their hearts be directed into God's love and Christ's perseverance. So firstly, he said, into God's love. Well, we ask, what is God's love? Well, we know that he loved us enough to send his one and only son to die. God's love is not conditional. Some people will try to earn it, which leads to all sorts of theological and social and emotional problems. Some others might go the opposite direction. They think they deserve it, which demonstrates the spiritual blindness of pride. But Paul wanted them to continually develop a deeper understanding of the nature and the source of God's love. That's what would enable them to withstand the evil that was around them, to flourish in the midst of persecution, and to live lives that would glorify God. And the same is true for us. The greater our understanding of God's love, the better we'll be able to love both Him and other people. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18 says, May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep, deep his love is. Secondly, into Christ's perseverance. Well, how much did Christ persevere? He persevered through an agonizing death on the cross. He persevered through persecution and through temptation. Perseverance is the same as persistence or steadfastness. Steadfastness is the ability to bear up under difficult circumstances. It's the characteristic of being firm in purpose and in loyalty, regardless of the trials or your suffering. Jesus is the perfect example of this, and therefore the model of how we can also endure. Hebrews 12, verse 2, uses the same word in calling us to fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and had sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus was perseverant. So let us be like him. God is faithfully confident in us. He's always there for us. His promises always stand and his love never ends. Does your faith make you confident in those things? May we always remember that it's never by our own willpower, but it's through God's power. Ephesians 3 verse 12 says, In Him, and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. In the early days of the United States, there was a a weary traveler who came to the banks of the Mississippi River for the first time. There was no bridge. It was early winter, and the surface of the mighty stream was covered with ice. Would he dare to cross over? Would the uncertain ice be able to bear his weight? Well, night was falling, and it was urgent that he reached the other side. So finally, after a lot of hesitation and with many fears, he began to creep cautiously across the surface of the ice on his hands and knees. He thought that if he distributed his weight as much as possible, that he could keep the ice from breaking beneath him. Well, about halfway over, he heard the sound of singing behind him. And out of the dusk, there came a man driving a horse-drawn load of coal, across the ice and singing merrily as he went on his way. Here he was, on his hands and knees, trembling that the ice might not be strong enough to hold him. And there, as if whisked away by the winter wind, went the man, his horses, his sleigh, and a whole load of coal, upheld by the very same ice on which he was crawling. Well, like that weary traveler, some of us, Some of us have learned only to creep upon the promises of God. Cautiously and timidly, we venture forth upon his promises and almost as though the lightness of our step might make his promises more secure. Carefully, we crawl as though we might help contribute to the strength of his assurances. Well, let us believe the promises of God. He's promised to uphold us and to deliver us safely on the other side. We're not to creep upon these promises as though they're too fragile to hold us. We're to stand firm upon them, confident that God is as good as His Word and that He will do what He has promised He will do. Jeremiah 17 verse 7 says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. Are you confident in God? Are you confident in prayer? Praying for the word to be spread and honored? Do you trust that the Lord is faithful? Are you confident in God's love and Christ's perseverance? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 35 says, Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. If you need to respond in any way, why not do so? If you need to place your confidence in him once again, maybe there's some changes you need to make to make that a priority again. If you need prayers in any way, reach out and I'd be so glad to pray for you. Maybe you've yet to make the great confession that Jesus is the Son of God, repenting of your ways and having every sin washed away in the watery grave of baptism putting your old way of life to death and arising in the new life of Christ. If you haven't done that, why not do so today? Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you all soon.